Welcome to GEP Insights. On this podcast, you'll hear cutting-edge thoughts on supply chain, sustainability, and strategies to help your business succeed. For more information, visit GEP.com. And now, our latest episode. Hi, everyone. This is your host today, Sneha Mekhle. I work as a manager with GEP Worldwide. And today we have with us Abhishek Goyal, who is part of GP Worldwide as well. He is currently a senior manager there and has authored uh, the white paper that we will be talking about today, which is titled New Chemistry, Digital Tools and Levers for Success in the New Normal. So before we start um, getting into the details, Abhishek, do you want to maybe quickly introduce yourself to our listeners today? Sure. Uh, thank you so much, Sneha. So, uh, Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, wherever everybody is uh, for listening in. Uh, and thank you so much for listening into this podcast today. Uh, my name is Abhi Goyal, and as Nay mentioned, I'm currently a senior manager at uh, GEP Worldwide. Uh, I have more than 12 years of experience in the industry in, uh, overall, uh, with a lot of experience in procurement and supply chain with chemical clients, uh, oil and gas clients, and uh, packaging clients. And right now, I am also working on one of our clients, which is a Fortune 500 client with uh, in regards to helping them save money. Great, thank you. Thank you for that. So uh, based on your experience and, you know, given that there has been a lot of volatility in the market right now, obviously the pandemic and now the uh, war and the critical situation in Europe, what would you say uh, should be the focus for the next couple of years for our customers to secure their chemical supply? So uh, in this new decade and I would say a new era, uh, everything seems to be working completely different from what they have been in the past. And all the industries have been impacted by it. So chemical industry is no different in that regards with supply being short, demand being really high and cost and prices just going out of control and hyperventilated and inflated because of now the war also. Changing nature of demand and uh, new end use areas is creating that kind of uh, gap between the demand and the supply. Just to give you a quick example, there were suppliers who had never uh, sort of manufactured sanitizers or sanitizing wipes before and now they're getting into it because of all the demand and because of which the demand for those chemicals which goes into those products have raised and the supply was still corresponding to the old supply uh, old sort of you know manufacturers so this is just a small example i'm saying uh, where we have started seeing you know new people and new organizations and new manufacturers getting into those new end use areas where the demands are getting high and chemicals are still in short supply now mm-hmm. organizations should start focusing on how they can efficiently use their chemicals along with that um, uh, have a collaborative approach with their suppliers so that they can make sure the supply is uh, adequate for them. Uh, the best possible approach, which I can say in short, would be to make sure that they have a more reliable uh, digital tool with a, uh, a reliable uh, forecasting, uh, predictive forecasting, which can give them the right kind of demand uh, that they would have in the next three weeks, three months, three years, which will provide those insights to their suppliers also so that they can also forecast their demand accordingly and then can provide them without any shortages. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And I think looking back at 
feels like this is something we should have been doing and now it has become more important than ever, right? Absolutely. Uh, digital tools have always been there in the market. It's just that now it is more in focus because of the fact that uh, systems need to be more agile and mm -hmm. for them to be more agile, they have to be uh, more, uh, I would say, AIML dependent rather than just manual support because of which these digital tools are coming up more and more. Uh, so another thing that uh, you mentioned and uh, also is briefly talked about in the paper was the increasing cost of the goods, and especially for chemicals, right? It is on the rise. And like you said, with the limited ability of sourcing or like, you know, finding alternative suppliers as a procurement function or me as even a procurement professional, what can I do to drive like maximum value in current situation? Because the traditional uh, success criteria has al always been like savings and uh, around those KPIs. So what can I do to deliver value in today's day? So uh, in my opinion, the main part is that we can't just focus on pricing anymore, right? That mm -hmm. That's where procurements has always been looked at that, oh, they'll come in and reduce the prices. Now we have to go beyond just those traditional pricing mechanisms of pricing reduction uh, strategies, we would have to figure out creative ways and levers which we can pull to make sure we are still reducing our cost of goods uh, for the clients and organizations. Um, a few of the strategies that I can mention here is would be like we have to be quick in responding uh, if there is any arbitrage of raw material pricing at your various sites. So quick example with that would be if you're buying the same product or the same raw material with a different pricing at different sites, half the time organizations don't even realize that's happening. Right? That's like an arbitrage that you can leverage and see if you can get the same pricing or the lower pricing of the two or three sites that uh, they're getting and um, make sure that you are leveraging that uh, with your suppliers. Uh, again, for that you would require uh, you have a full view of what is being bought at what price for your sites, where that's where the digital tools come in so that you have it on your fingertips, right? Uh, now using different pricing constructs or uh, structures uh, that allow companies that they can take advantage of these market conditions when they are changing, plus if they are providing any different um, services along or materials and services along with what the usually primarily buy from that supplier that will give them uh, a pretty good leverage in regards to how they reduce their total cost uh, of ownership right that's probably the next thing that we i would focus on rather than just pricing which is total cost of ownership models how we bring down the pricing for that so again a quick example i can give in that regards is what if they just don't focus on the price of the material, but the logistics of how it comes from the supplier to your site? And mm -hmm. in the end, you are paying the total price of your raw material plus logistics if you can help them reduce the cost of their logistics, which yeah. even now in this situation is a little difficult to do, but maybe your logistics supplier pricing is better than the suppliers, which can probably help in reducing your overall cost for that raw material. So that's just another example of how you can take advantage of total cost of uh, ownership models. And then the next one is the real-time market intelligence, right? So as you can see right now, there is this situation going on in Europe where we have a war kind of a situation and how those are impacting different indexes and prices, something that organizations are looking for. And I believe we, 
GEP just came out with that kind of a market intelligence report also, where we were providing what kind of impact it's making at various different commodities and prices. So that's the kind of information that would be helpful for procurement professionals uh, in a sense that they are ready for what is coming through and they can be ready of what a long term impact would be because of any instance. Yeah, I think what I'm hearing is the role as a procurement professional is changing quite a lot. Like you mentioned that we need to look outside procurement as a supply chain as an entire function and also be more aware of everything that's happening and how it's impacting your category, let's say, or uh, the, or your suppliers having that understanding and going outside procurement to drive value is what everyone should focus on, right? Yeah. Great, definitely. Um, and so going back to the paper that you've written, the asset talks a lot about using predictive analytics to make informed buying decisions. So can you talk a little bit more about it? Like how can I go about implementing that with my customers, with, uh, you know, big manufacturing clients that we have? For sure. So, you know, predictive analytics is something which is coming more and more demand uh, because uh, you can leverage sophisticated you can say systems or uh, machine learning algorithms to predict uh, your short term commodity pricing um, like uh, or if you have to look at uh, short term uh, services pricing if you, if we look at by leveraging what your you know uh, labor condition uh, labor condition values or indexes are going up or down whether the wages are going up or down or even unemployment is going up or down so that just in general helps you to figure out what your services cost would be right and in yeah. the same way these short term commodities pricing increases or decreases can help you be prepared for it if it is decreasing you can probably wait and buy later if you feel the analysis is showing it might increase maybe you can buy right now and hedge your cost that way right um, mm -hmm. it definitely helps uh, in making all those decisions for the enterprises so that they can be ahead of the market movements and one of the things which i do say uh, that we have to be cautious about is predictive tools can definitely give you the right direction but we cannot completely be 100% reliable in the regards that they are absolutely 100% accurate and this is something which they always say predictive analytic models gives you the right direction in the ballpark value you might not get the exact same price as the analysis might be saying it might still be there up and down now a lot of organizations try to shy away from predictive analysis because they uh, they say oh it's not accurate well no analysis or, or model would be 100 percent accurate we always have to see what how much accuracy do they have uh, any a machine learning or AI or even predictive modeling that I have been part of. Uh, we always try to figure that we can bring that accuracy close to above 85 to 90 percent, but it can never be 100 percent. And that's what as you know, a pinch of salt that everybody has to take away from this point, which is predictive analytics is really good in providing you the direction. It might not give you the exact price that you can use for your discussions with the negotiation. Right. Yeah, and I think uh, there is with every business case we have that uh you know we have to see the pros maybe outweigh the cons here you know this helps so much this uh, with our buying and helps so much with our future planning that maybe it's taking it's worth taking that risk yeah yeah um so another thing that paper talked about and you also mentioned in the beginning was uh the digital tools and innovations and how they've always been there, but we uh, we have just recently started looking at them more from implementation point of view and, you know, using those and driving values from uh, those tools. 
So uh, when I went through the asset, it felt like there was a lot of outward execution that needed to happen, be it like customer facing or maybe even, you know, having that tiered supply communication set up. So how do you have any feedback on how our clients should approach this situation? Sure. So you're absolutely right. There would always have to be an output execution in that regards because any kind of digital tool that you would implement, uh, you cannot be just a lone single entity uh, in that particular scenario. So they would have to approach, as I had mentioned earlier, in a more collaborative way uh, with both their customers, suppliers, and any other entity which has a say in your overall supply chain sequence. Now, mm -hmm. They cannot completely put it either on their supplier or on their customers or even on themselves. Uh, that way they would not be successful with any kind of digital tool that they would have, right? So they would have to make sure that every entity is included uh, and they all are aligned with the vision and approach of, the, of that digitalization concept, right? Um, the one way that I have seen it being successful is bring everybody in the same room uh, okay not during covid period if people cannot travel or it's difficult to be physically present have virtual summits or conferences right or brainstorming sessions with your suppliers and customers being in the same room so that in the end the concluding part would be that they would bring more innovative ideas maybe there is something they have seen at their other customers which have been successful or other suppliers that they have been successful with right and in the uh, when we are finalizing what vision and concept we are taking along then everybody would already give the buy-in we don't have to then run around anyone else um, to get the buy-in to implement it right mm. and that's that's how i feel uh, it can bring the maximum value by having that collaborative discussion now there are definitely other avenues other than your summits and conferences of how you can bring everybody along, but this has been the most successful avenue that I have seen in which the organizations have been uh, able to efficiently and in a faster way bring the digitalization concept in a more, uh, I would say, successful way. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Collaboration definitely is the key. Um, that's all the questions I had for you today. Do you have any parting words, any feedback for our listeners today? Sure. So uh, again, I would say one thing that, you know, the chemical industry uh, is slowly and steadily recovering uh, from mm -hmm. the pandemic and then it got hit by the war and hopefully we would see that we'll recover from that war too. Uh, so, you know, so much of demand is rising, as I said, because of so many new manufacturers coming in with different requirements, with different avenues and and the rising cost of manufacturing uh, is also becoming an ongoing challenge. So to find the new sources in this new environment, uh, they would have procurement organization of any uh, of any of these industries who are dependent on chemicals on any uh, level uh, would have to reinvent itself uh, with these new skills, with these digital tools, and as I said, real real time market intelligence and insights. Uh, procurement leaders would have to leverage these digital tools with analytics, uh, being more focused on outcomes, uh, improving their capex processes, or reducing their working capital, whichever way they have done traditionally for sure. But that would only be more. Uh, I would say impactful with these digital tools where uh, I've been mentioning how it can help in so many different ways. Uh, and the uh, the one thing that I have 
definitely observed is the organizations who were able to cope up with that pandemic situation when it hit us in 2020 and now with this war situation um, have been the one who have been trying to keep themselves ahead of the market with these digital tools and were able to cope up in a much better way. And my suggestion to most of these organizations is that they would have to figure out how they enable these digital tools for themselves. And those were, would be the ones leading the industry post the COVID-19 world and even now the post-war world. Mm -hmm. Okay. Thank you, Abhishek. Thank you for that. Uh, so that is the end of our today's Q&A. If anyone has any questions, you can reach out to me or to Abhi directly. But thank you for your time today and thank you for uh, everyone for listening.